0: Double vision is defined as seeing two images of an object at the same time. I've never experienced that, but I've read on it and heard that you can have double vision in one or both eyes. Um, Numerous causes for it. Um, Sometimes double vision can be cured with just a special pair of glasses. Other times because of cornea damage or other reasons, it takes more than that. But it can be caused by infections, scars, dryness, cataracts, weak eye muscles, and even things you wouldn't think of at times. Thyroid problems, um, nerve conditions, diabetes, uh, brain issues like stroke, aneurysms, trauma, tumors, migraines. All of this can be the cause of double vision. And obviously most people want to stay away from having any of those things, including the results of double vision as well. But Acts 10 Um, actually is a positive or a good kind of double vision. Um, It's a double vision that is, I call, missional double vision. It's not a physical condition, but it's a spiritual one. It's not caused by something internal, but someone external, and I say namely God. It's caused literally by a special revelation from God. If you read the book of Acts in its entirety, you'll find that visions are one of God's main ways of orchestrating and putting together, can I say, all the pieces of his missionary plan for the world, his gospel plan. In fact, there are eight visions. Four of them have to do with Peter, which is the first half of the book, and the other four have to do with Paul, which is the second half of the book. God speaks to people all kinds of different ways, through prophecies, Through visions, through direct words, through the Holy Spirit. And you can't read the book of Acts and see all those things and not come to this conclusion that God is personally involved in reaching all the nations with the gospel. I call it a double vision with a single purpose. And God is out to reach all the nations. And as a Christian, if you're here this morning and you followed him, he wants that vision and that purpose to be shared by you with him. In fact, if you look at the context, both Acts 9 and Acts 10 have a double vision. The vision in chapter 9 is first given to Saul of Tarsus, who later becomes the apostle Paul on the Damascus road. He gets a vision of Jesus. And then Ananias gets a vision of Jesus to go talk to Saul. Chapter 10, it is repeated. And Cornelius, the Roman centurion, gets a vision. And then Peter gets a, a vision. And what you see and why I mention that is because God wants you to, and I to know to the links that he will go. Listen to this. The links to which God will go to reach one person with the gospel. I studied the life of Jesus, and I've studied all the book of Acts, and truly God works through preaching in churches, through big events, speaking to crowds of people where hundreds of people get saved at a time, and God certainly has that as a method, and he uses it. But what often we forget, and what I want to point out and emphasize today, and we're going to start a series on Sunday nights here at Faith Baptist Church on it, is that people are one by one. And what God will do to reach, even if it's only one person who needs to hear the gospel. And so today I want you to get this pattern down in your mind. Heavenly revelation, earthly revolution. In other words, God reveals his word from heaven and it makes an incredible impact on earth. Vision from God before voice for God. Gospel words generate gospel witness. They go together so this morning, can I tell you this? If I can get you the first thing I want you to grasp this morning in your life as a believer, is God's words to you and in you have to come before God's word through you. And there might be, and probably is this morning, a lot of Christians here, and you'd have to be honest and say that it's been a long time, in fact, too long between the times that you have actually had a one-on-one conversation with someone, and that conversation was specifically and purposely about the gospel. And I know sometimes because of those conversations, we only can say his name or direct the conversation a little bit, but as God uses us and he fills us with his word, I believe God will give us opportunities to reach out to one person. And in these two visions, what you find happening is God speaks to Peter about Cornelius and then Peter speaks to Cornelius about God that's how those two work together because God loves all nations listen but he also loves to reach out and 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 win one person at a time. Now today, God doesn't speak through prophecies anymore. He doesn't speak through direct communication. He doesn't speak through visions and dreams or any of those types of things. God is no longer revealing His Word, but He does speak through His recorded Word, the Bible. And God has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And it is as we take this Word and it gets into our lives that it also comes out of our lives as we witness to others. If you look at and read the biographies of great missionaries of past times, of William Carey who went to India and Adoniram Judson who went to Burma and John Patton who went to the New Hebrides Islands, you'll find if you read their journals and their writings that there was one main thing that moved them to go to places where cannibals lived, where John Patton was told, if you go there that you will be eaten by cannibals. And his response was, I will eventually be eaten by worms anyways, so I will live my life for Jesus. Jesus. When people were not going on the mission field, William Carey said, I will give my life, and he did not come back after four years. He did not take a furlough, but William Carey, the father of modern missions, gave his life to India and did not return the entire 40 years that he stayed there. What would move someone to make that kind of commitment? What would move someone to make that kind of change and that kind of sacrifice? What would move you? Well, see, here's what Acts 10 wants us to know. That a double vision will give you a singular purpose. You need to be moved by the word of God. And what God has revealed and the need for the nations and his glory and his great name, that is what moves the people throughout the book of Acts. When I was growing up as a youth pastor, in my first youth ministry, we had a camp. And every summer I was supposed to be the Now As most of you know, I'm not very good mechanically. And I really wasn't good with anything to do with outdoors. But we had this guy who tried to teach me. He said, Pastor Walker, if you're going to do a campfire every night, and we did, you're going to have to know how to make a campfire. So I wouldn't say that we should do this now because it's probably not safe. But he said, you get a bunch of wood and you pour a bunch of gas on it, step back and throw a match. (laughs) He thought that's about all I could handle. But he did say this, you got to keep the flames burning. He goes, you got to add a little bit more and a little squirt of this. And he taught me how, he said, listen, you got to keep it going until it goes on itself. And let me tell you this, every time you and I get into the word, we are fueling the flames of evangelism. But see, if you and I miss our time in the word of God every day, and we miss our time in the word, see, we don't have, and the flames and the embers of our zeal and our passion for the nations begin to dwindle, and eventually they will die out if we do not continue to feed them with the word. So I say this, much word Much witness. Little word, little witness. No word, no witness. So let me unpack them. Can I say today the two visions for you just briefly and see if you can catch God's double vision with a singular purpose? The first vision is found in chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. And I won't go through each verse, but let me just summarize it for you. Here it is God revealing his will, and he is sending an angel, and he wants to talk to this Roman centurion who is a Gentile. We've already seen God going after one Gentile in chapter 8, when he went after the Ethiopian eunuch. But now in chapter 10, he's reaching out to Cornelius, who was a centurion. And God is doing two things. In the first vision, he is preparing Cornelius for Peter. The second vision that we're going to see is God preparing Peter for Cornelius. And so God is moving and he's saying, hey, here's where I want you to go. And God, let, me, let me tell you this, this is how much God cares. The details in this passage are amazing. And God does that, I believe, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because he wants you to know how divinely and personally he cares for what matters most to God. And that is reaching the nations with the gospel. So he tells Cornelius to send men, and he does. Two men and a soldier, one that he trusts, one that's devoted. He says, I want you to go to Joppa, and I want you to go to this house and watch. He doesn't just say, hey, when you get in town, just ask around. Chapter 10 and verse 6, he says, this is the house, and he tells them, Simon, don't get them confused, Simon Peter and this other Simon, but this Simon is a tanner, and he lives by the sea. About five years ago, my wife and I were able to go to Israel, and some of our people are leaving to go in another year or so. You go to Joppa today, the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea is still there. And you can walk around it and it is exactly right. It is a stone's throw from the Sea of Galilee. And you can go there and you can walk by it and you can see actually where Bible history took place. And that house is right there and the streets are there and you can see still where they walk by and how the synagogue is down the street from that and perhaps some other things that were very historically popular. But it is there just as God said. And he directs people. Ananias was directed to Saul and it said, and he's on a street called Straight. Because God knows the coordinates and God knows exactly the house, the street, the name of the guy, where it is, because God has a heart for the nations and He has a heart for individuals. Please underline the text these words. Chapter 10 and verse 9 says, The next day. A little bit more, it says, Chapter 10 and verse 23. Again, the next day, chapter 10 and verse 24, and the following day. See, literally you could think that these are three days that change this one person's life and how God in this day did things and then he put this together in this day and he put this together the next day. Listen, I love to hear stories and maybe we will hear today. If God works in your heart and brings you salvation, do you know it's never an accident when someone gets saved? It's always appointment. And I can tell you stories of people who had divine instruction, like 1022 says, divine appointments of how God worked it out. And you met so-and-so and that so-and-so met someone else and they know you and the networking and, the, and all the things God brings together to reach one person with the gospel is absolutely amazing. But not just God working in one day after another and all of these visions of bringing these people together, but it's even more than that. Can I show you in the text? Chapter 10 and verses 9 through 16 is the vision that Peter got. Now, Peter was an Orthodox Jew and he follows Torah his whole life. And so he's up, the Bible says. Look what the Bible says in verse 10 and verse 9. Chapter 10 and verse 3, I'm sorry. Ninth hour was the Cornelius. He got the vision of the angel at the ninth hour, three in the afternoon. The Bible records the exact hour that Peter got the vision. In chapter 10 and verse 9, it says about the sixth hour, and it was noon. Jewish houses were all one story. And if you walked out the side of the house, there would be steps, steps that went up the side of the house and onto the roof. The roofs were all flat, and they were able to keep water that way and so forth, like some other countries today. And often you would go up there, if you wanted to be away from everybody else, you went to the roof. Now, it was very hot. So you went up there usually before noon, but obviously it was a decent day. Peter goes up there because you pray. If you were an Orthodox Jew, the times of sacrifice in the temple are nine, noon, and three. Those are the times that you pray. Peter is going up on the roof to pray. And he is going to give his thanks to God and his supplications. And he goes up on the flat roof to be by himself to pray. And the Bible says, and this is my kind of vision, it was lunchtime. And he's going to have a vision about food, of all things. And the Bible says, no accident, really, seriously. It says, and he was hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And God says, listen to you, I'm going to give you a gospel meal. I'm going to show you something about the gospel you have never known before. And so this huge thing up there, all these birds and things are on there. So we're talking like Burger King, Taco Bell, it's all out there. Laying on his table, right? And here's what he says, take up and eat. And the vision, here, here's what Peter says, I can't eat that, it's not clean. There were specific, listen, there were specific laws about what you could and couldn't eat in the Old Testament. And the reason was not so much that the food was better or worse. The reason is one of the ways that God showed that his people was a unique, distinctive people from all the other peoples of the world is by what they wore and what they ate. The point is, Peter, that is no longer true. See, God says the distinctiveness of being a Christian is not those things external, but internal. And here's what Peter needed to know. Listen to this. If Peter was going to be used by God to reach this one Gentile man that was so strategic in God's plan, he had to realize that God saw no difference between Peter and Cornelius. Can I tell you, that's a lesson for all of us. All of us. There is no difference between Hispanic and African and white or whatever race, background, or color. God does not make distinctions based on those things. And we could all go through history and tell of all the problems and all the difficulties because we have not learned that lesson. And listen, and it's not always easy. You know how many times God had to give and replay, can I say, rewind and replay this vision for him? Look at chapter 10 and verse 16. Three times. It took three times for Peter to get it. Now, if anyone is familiar with three things, that's Peter. Three denials on the shore after the resurrection, three times the Lord had to ask him questions about whether he loved them or not. Peter knows things that are sure from God come in threes. So here's Peter. He gets this vision. The first time he says, never, I'm never going to eat that. But by the end of the third time, he realizes God is serious. And this is what God wants. And there is no distinction. And it doesn't matter if you're Jew or whether you're Gentile. Because God says that we are all same in his eyes. I believe with all my heart that God prepares each of us to reach people Certain people, specific people, individual people. And he has that for each of our lives. I can tell you in my life that God uses all those things. God uses Peter and the lessons he learned and his background and Saul and all the people of the Bible. He uses them very specifically. And can I tell you this morning as a Christian, God has made you the way that you are. God saved you the way that he did. And he gave you the family that you have and the background and the culture and the race and the language and the education and all the things, good and bad, in your life, not just so you can get through life or that you can try to, ha- no, you know what it is? Because God has kingdom purposes. It's a double vision with a single purpose. God has a purpose for everything he's allowed in your life. I have been, and by God's grace, been in a lot of different countries. My family lived in London for four years, and I was able to travel all throughout Europe. The places I've been, I can't tell you the places I've been, that in places like delis and little shops I've been in, and the people behind the counter were English. And I told them where I lived in London and they told me they spoke back and I could tell because in England, even though everybody has an English accent, all English accents are not the same. And it tells you where you're from and I've learned to distinguish between them in times. And I could pick out and I could tell people, hey, this is where you're from in England, maybe from this city in this part. How did you know that? And I've got a chance to tell them about Jesus as a result of it. Places that I've been, little language lines I've learned. I've been to Haiti four times. And I can say four lines. I say, Como Nambule. Now, those are all greeting things. And I, and I know one thing, and I'm not sure how, I, but I can say, um, what's it called? Where where's Marie? Is she in here still? Um, Mercy pay, what did I say? Yeah, Kali Bobe, Mercy pay. Means your head is bald. I, I, <laughs> I think I learned that one time when I was with Dennis. Sorry. <laughs> And so I, I greet them, and they, they all, you know, number one, because you're white and you know Creole, right? I mean, so in the store I get all the time, and then I joke around, and the next thing I say is, my head is bald, and they love that. I don't know why, but they do. And then when I leave, I know now we pita, see you later. See, so I can get them in the, middle, the beginning, and I throw a funny line in the middle, and I say goodbye in the end, and they're, they're eating it up. I had one lady, literally after two lines, thought I was fluent. I had to back her off. I said, no, I'm not. But I can tell you all the times that I've been able to do that. God uses those trips. The ethnicities I've learned about the distinguishing features, especially in African countries that I've been to. I've given the gospel because when I was in, God broke my arm so severely, it almost came out of the skin. I had to have horrible it was it was a bad time in my life but one of the best tools I've ever uh used in a hospital to get people the gospel I've played sports all my life and I've been able to use that as a platform my mom has dementia and I've come into so many people I've come in contact with their spouse or their loved one has dementia and I've been able to tell them hey there's a god who never has forgotten you and I've been able to give them the gospel. My dad dying in the hospital and how he died so quickly has been able to relate to people. My daughter had ear tumors and lost some of her hearing and all the surgeries she's had. And I've been telling him about, listen, if you could only hear the voice of God. And God has used all those things. And I've been able to reach the guy at Lowe's who's from Liberia because of Eddie and Jackie Davis. And all, the, you know, what God used, you know why? Because he cares. Yes, he cares about all the Hispanic countries, and he cares about the African countries, and he cares, about, he cares about all those countries, but he cares about individuals. And he plans it, and he orchestrates it down to the street, and the house, and the name of the person, and where they live. God is working all of those things out. Did you know that Caesarea, where Cornelius was, and sent the servant and the soldier to find Simon is 37 miles south on the coast of Israel, uh, the Mediterranean Sea, to Joppa. 37 miles. Now watch this. Why do you say, Pastor Walker? Because the Bible says that they got the message from God and the next morning they went. Now, Peter, during that day they're traveling, is up on the roof. Remember I told you he was up there praying. He has this this vision of all the food. Three times it happens. Now, when he's done with the vision, he's coming downstairs. He's not outside. He came down the little side stairs and into his house. And he's inside. And the Bible says, look at the three connecting words. 1017, 1019, and 1044 all start with the little word, while. In other words, while this was going on, God orchestrated something else to happen simultaneously so that all of those things would come together at just the right time. So chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, and then we get this huge series of behold words. Verse 17, 19, 21, and 30 all have the word behold in it. And when you see the word, here's what God wants you to do. You're kidding me. That's amazing. Are you serious? I mean, God wants your attention because what he wants to see is what he will do to reach one person. And so here it is. Peter came downstairs. He's inside. Remember, 37 miles in one day. My wife and I just started walking. We walk from here yeah, down to the tower and back. It's two miles. My wife is pushing me because I don't want to do it anymore. That's two, two miles. How would you like to do 37 miles? Do you know what the distance is between Hamilton and Philadelphia in, this, in the sports stadiums? 37 miles. How would you like to walk in one day from here to Philadelphia? You say, no, thank you. Exactly. But in a 24-hour period or less, they got 37 miles. Now, that's enough, Right? It's not, watch. But God says, they're walking all that distance. Peter comes downstairs. He's sitting in the house. He's wondering what the vision means. And while he's thinking about it, really? And God has to give him another. He says, hey, three guys are at the door. I want you to go talk to them. This is what I'm talking about. He opens the door. First knock, knock, joke. Who's there? Cornelius. Cornelius who? Cornelius, the guy that was sent to you by God. Can you imagine that? I mean, how do you orchestrate it perfectly? If someone walking 37 miles comes to your door at the exact time that you're thinking about what God has shown to you. Can I tell you this? Only God can do that. Only God can do that. Our theme this year is go to grow. Go to grow. The phrase in the text, when Peter's sitting in the house... And in chapter 10 and verse 20, he tells him, there's three guys at your door. Here's what he says, rise and go. Now, you can overlook that and think nothing of it. But if you've read the scriptures, you'll find this, that those are commissioning words. Those are the two times in the book of Jonah when God commissioned Jonah to go reach an entire city called Nineveh. Chapter 1 and verse 2, chapter 3 and verse 1, after he had rebelled, spit out of the fish, and he comes back. Here's what God says, Jonah, rise and go. Now see, God loves cities. He loves multitudes of people. But isn't it crazy in the book of Acts that every time God says, rise and go, he said it to Ananias, arise and go and see Saul, one person. He said to Philip, arise and go. Go out in the desert. Why? To reach one Ethiopian eunuch. And now in chapter 9, i I'm sorry, 10, chapter 10, verse 20, he says it again, rise and go, not to reach a whole city, not to reach a whole state, not to reach thousands of people, to reach one Roman centurion. Can I ask you this? If you're a Christian, who's your one? Who's the one person that you're thinking about? Can I say it in a good sense? You're dreaming about that you're working on to build a relationship with so that you can reach them with the gospel? Who is the one person that you get on your knees for and there's not a day that you miss and say, God, this is my one. This is the one I want to see. You use me to reach with the gospel. I can't prove this, and I'm sure it probably didn't happen, but I like to think that it possibly could. Years and years later, after Acts 10, I wonder if Cornelius... A Roman soldier is retired. He's sitting around with his wife and they become aged and they've got little grandkids and maybe great-grandkids running around. I wonder if they ask him, Oh, Papa Cornelius, tell us the story about the three days that changed your life. And he sits down and tells them about how Simon Peter had a vision and God gave me a vision. And those two visions guy had one purpose and those two visions just melted together as one and when he was thinking about it he told me and i knocked on the door he opened it up and there i was and he came back with me to where i lived and he gave me the gospel and and i got saved and let me tell you i got saved and then your mom got saved and then my kids got saved your parents and then you know what you guys are saved you know why because peter gave the gospel to one person And he would say to his grandkids, and you know who that one person was? And they all go, oh, oh, we know. It was you. And Cornelius says, yeah, I was Peter's one. Do you have one? Do you have one? Who's that one that you would travel miles to reach? Who's the one that you'll pray for? Who's the one that you'd cross social, racial, and economic barriers to reach? It's time, isn't it, for us? It's time to rise and go. Yes, go around the world, yes. Go around the corner, yes. But what if, what if the nations are at your doorstep and mine? What if we really don't have to go very far? What if it's right across the street? What if it's right across the hall at the cubicle next to you? What if it is that we don't have to travel miles? What if the real concern is if we will just have a heart for them and to love them with the gospel let me close with this you know maybe you're here today and you didn't even think about it or realize it but you know what it took for god to get you here you know why you're here today perhaps as a person and you're not sure about god or whether you really know him or the heaven and hell thing or Salvation, it's not really clear in your mind. Can I tell you this? God brought you here. And whether it was the person who brought you and invited you or the, how he coordinated or orchestrated getting you here to hear the... See, God has worked all of that out because here's the reality. Maybe, just maybe, you are God's one today. You're the one that this message is for Because God brought you here, not by accident, but by appointment. Chapter 10 and verse 22 says that they were brought by divine instruction. That's how they were moved. And maybe God brought you here today because you're his one. Because he's still working, yes, to reach the nations, but to reach every single individual that he has planned for his glory. Today, maybe that's you. Let's pray. In just a moment, we're going to close our service with a very Of course, where You may not even need the hymn book. And it's short. Lord, lay some soul upon my heart. We'll sing it two, maybe three times through because it's short. I invite you to come today. And maybe the coming down front, again, doesn't merit favor with God, doesn't change anything. But coming down front, it just gives you an opportunity or us an opportunity to minister to you. But maybe you're a Christian here and you say, Pastor Walker, today, listen, I want to have my one. And maybe I want to have a picture of them and write their name down. And I want them to be in my prayer journal. And I want to agonize over them and pray with them and invite them over for dinner. And I want to slowly build a relationship. I want to give them the gospel. Because God, just give me one. Give me my Cornelius. And maybe that person is right at your door. Maybe in your family. Maybe you say, I'm going to come forward, Pastor Walker, you know why? I'm just going to kneel at the front, and I'm going to pray, God, give me this one. Just one, not hundreds, just this one, and you're going to dedicate yourself. But maybe you're here this morning, and you come to the realization, as you heard the word today, that maybe you, you understood now for the first time, hey, God has been seeking me and he brought me here, and you could tell me the story about all the things he orchestrated and coordinated to bring you to this place so that you could hear that his son loves you and died for your sins and rose again so that you could have forgiveness. And, etern- and if you don't know that, can I tell you this? God brought you here today, and you are his one. As we sing that chorus, would you not hesitate? Don't hesitate. Just step out meet me down front, and all you have to do, and I'll know what it means, say, Pastor Walker, I think I'm God's one. And I'll have someone take the time and show you from the Bible how you can have salvation in his name. Father, thank you. Thank you for this double vision with a singular purpose. May your vision for the world revealed in your word, completed word, may it be our singular purpose may be what keeps us up at night and gets us up early in the morning and keeps us on our knees and in the book and gives us boldness to open our mouth and most of all, our hearts. And I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people today that we would love the nations and specifically love individuals that you have prepared for us to reach with the gospel. Help us together to do that for your name and your great glory alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.